Hello, and welcome back to Cinema Sunday. I am your host, Candy Thomas. And each week, I'm going to continue to watch one of the 94 movies that have won an Oscar for Best Picture, and I'm going to tell you exactly what I think of them. I'll follow up each week with the same template. It's the basic details of the movie, things like who's in it, what's it all about, and I'm going to answer these three important questions. One, does it stand the test of time? Two, is it Oscar worthy? Three, should you watch it or is this just another cruel joke Hollywood has played upon us? Just as a friendly reminder, along with my honest assessment of these movies, you'll also get my hot takes on many current events, my soapbox rants about topics that irritate the piss out of me, and of course, a heaping dose of adult language. So please be sure that you listen with caution. Before I begin, I want to thank uh, Wikipedia, all the brilliant folks who who contribute there, and IMDb. Both of these places are great sources of information for all things movie and Oscar related. And with that, let's take it away. This week's Oscar-winning film is The Sound of Music. It was released March 2nd, 1965. It is directed by Robert Weiss. It stars Julie Andrews, Christopher Plummer, Richard Hayden, and a crapload of really talented kids. It was nominated for 10 Oscars, and it won five of them. It won for Best Picture, Best Director, Best Film Editing, Best Scoring of Music, and best sound. Here's an interesting tidbit. Robert Weiss, who won for best director, was also the producer of the movie. And it is the producer who gets to take home the Oscar for best picture wins. So he was a double winner that night. It was also Robert Weiss who had won both the best director and best picture awards the last time he pulled double duty on a movie. And that was for 1961 winner West Side Story. The American Film Institute lists The Sound of Music as the fourth greatest musical of all time and the 55th best movie overall. In 2001, the United States Library of Congress selected the film for preservation in the National Film Registry, finding it culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. If you want to watch it, You can get it on Disney Plus for free if you have a subscription, or you can pay $3.99 to watch it on Amazon, Vudu, Apple TV, or Redbox. So what is it about? It is set in 1938. Maria, played by Julie Andrews, is a young woman studying to become a nun at an abbey in Salzburg, Austria. Although she believes this is really what she's meant to do with her life, she's a bit of a rogue. She breaks a few rules, doesn't really fit in, and tests the patience of the head nun in charge. I think that lady has an official title, but I'm going to call her the head nun in charge. Maria seems to lack discipline, and although I don't think it's intentional, she ends up being too much of a handful for these nuns, and they need a little break from her. So Maria is sent to the home of Captain George Von Trapp to be a governess, which is a.k.a. a nanny, to his seven children. The children are named Liesel, Friedrich, Luisa, 
Kurt, Brigitta, Marta, and Gretel. They range in age from 16, which by the way, that's 16 going on 17, if you were to ask Liesel, down to, I believe the youngest is five. And they can be a bit of a handful, these kids. We learn right away that Maria is just one in a long line of governesses that these little rascals have had, and they've chased them all away. Since their mother's death, the captain has raised his children with very strict military rules. And Maria, right from the word go, much to his dismay, is like, "Mm, how about no? These are kids. They deserve to play and to laugh and to just be kids. And if you blow that damn whistle at them one more time, I'm going to shove it down your freaking throat. So yeah, there's a little bit of friction in the beginning. In the Von Trapp household, there's also a very strict no singing rule, which Maria proceeds to break in record time. And that's really the foundation for the rest of the movie. Our girl Maria loves to sing and is more than happy to teach these surprisingly talented children. I mean, seriously, seven kids and there's not a tone deaf one among them. Come on. She teaches them a whole menu of delightful, catchy tunes. And luckily for them, the captain is, let's just call him an absentee father. He's often out of town for very long stretches, whether it be for business or to visit his main squeeze, a wealthy baroness named Ilsa Schrader, who lives in Vienna. Maria and the kids take full advantage of his absence. While the cat's away, it's fucking summer camp up in here. And these kids have never had more fun in their entire lives They get to play and sing and dance and do puppet shows and ride bikes and go on picnics and climb the mountains where the hills are alive with the sound of music. It's all fun and games until dad comes home and brings his rich and snooty girlfriend with him to meet the children. The shit hits the fan, but not in the way you'd expect. Once the captain hears his children singing so beautifully, it warms his cold, dead heart, and he realizes that Maria is the best thing that ever happened to these kids. In fact, she's probably the best thing that's ever happened to him. And of course, we see the noticeable spark between he and Maria. But Baroness Elsa Schrader is not about to give up without a fight. Dun, dun, dun. And well, the Baroness does exactly what you'd expect her to do. She manages to convince Maria that she's meant to be a nun and she shouldn't be here dabbling in the ooey gooey love stuff. And Maria is like, you know, you're right. I've fallen for this man and I need to run away and go back to the Abbey to set myself straight. She bails in the middle of the night and doesn't even say goodbye. It takes some sage advice from the head nun in charge for Maria to realize that she'd rather be a governess to these seven adorable little scamps than to be a nun. So she runs back to the Von Trapp family, and she arrives just in time to hear the news that the captain and Ilsa are engaged to be married. Womp womp. Her return, however, makes the captain realize he's with the wrong woman, and he ever so politely tosses the baroness to the curb. Maria and the captain get married, and they live happily ever after. Well, first they have to escape the Nazis, but after that, they get to live happily ever after. And I hadn't mentioned that yet, but that is the backdrop of this movie. It's 1938. The Hitler regime is quickly overtaking most of Europe. 
When the captain and Maria are on their honeymoon, they learn that Austria has been annexed by Germany and they return home to a telegram ordering the captain to report to a German naval base to serve the Third Reich. The captain is not really into the whole Nazi thing. And he's like, "Uh uh-uh, ain't gonna happen. No way, no how. You all can go fuck yourselves. So he knows there's no other solution for he and his family than for them to make a beeline for Switzerland. As luck would have it, a family friend had previously very secretly signed the Von Trapp family up for a singing gig at the Salzburg Festival. And it happens to be the exact same night that the Nazi soldiers show up at the house to collect the captain and force him into military service. The same man who not too long ago had a strict rule against singing is suddenly like, oh, gee, fellas, I'm sorry, but I can't go play Nazi war games with you right now because I'm singing with my family tonight in this very important singing festival. And the Nazi soldiers are like, well, okay. And they let him go to the festival. So after their performance, the family manages to sneak out of this festival with the help of some of those badass nuns that Maria was friends with at the Abbey. The family is able to safely make it to the freedom of the Swiss border, and then they get to live happily ever after. Question one, does this movie stand the test of time? In some ways, yes. But first, let me start with the ways that it does not. What wouldn't be a reality today is a widower left to raise seven children on his own. And if that were to happen, he certainly wouldn't call up his local church and ask a nun to come be their nanny. We all know after hearing countless celebrity cheating stories that if a man is in the position to choose the family nanny, well, let's be honest here. She's probably going to be a 19-year-old big-breasted blonde who will do far more taking care of him than his kids. He'd look right past the perfectly qualified middle-aged woman and he would never, ever hire a nun. I also think you'd be hard-pressed to find a nun, any nun, even if she were abundantly sweet and kind, who would give up her commitment to her church and to her God to forever be wiping someone else's runny nose. That just isn't in the cards for her. But there are a number of things that do still work well all these years later. For starters, Maria is a little bit of a feminist, and it may not have been that clear back in 1965, but I saw it right away. She's independent, headstrong, courageous. She wants to carve out her own path. From the first moment she's on screen with the captain, she's holding her own. She won't let him talk down to her or treat her as if she's lesser than him. She also immediately corrects his behavior toward his children. She's obviously a strong-willed and confident enough woman to succeed where many others before her have failed. Just like I mentioned about Casablanca a couple weeks ago, this is also set at a time when fascism was spreading through Europe. And it showcases that same inaction or acceptance that is very hard for us to understand today. We all want to assume that we would stand up and fight, that we would defend those being persecuted. But this is just another example of how easily people could be convinced that Hitler wasn't all that bad. They wanted to believe life would go on as normal and decided to go along to get along. It's a much needed relief to see the captain show open contempt for the Nazis. 
there's a great scene where he pulls down a flag with a swastika on it and he rips it in half. I doubt there's ever been a time in his life when Christopher Plummer has been more sexy than he is in that scene. I can't believe I have to say this again in 2022, but folks, fascism is bad and we should always fight against people who knowingly persecute those who they don't agree with or who they're scared of or who they simply don't understand. There is no place in this world for Nazis. And lastly, there's the music. I had never sat down and watched this movie from start to finish before, yet somehow I knew most of the songs. I didn't know all the words, but I knew the songs to the point where at some point I was like, wait, I have seen this. And I'm like, no, I haven't ever seen this. I think it's one of the greatest testimonies of this film that the music can stand alone. Think of, think of it this way. You may not have seen like the movie, you know, maybe Grease or Footloose or Purple Rain or even Rocky Horror, but you would probably recognize the music. Why? Because at one point in history, it was part of our pop culture. You may have heard it on the radio or at a junior high dance or heard someone in your family singing it. The music stands alone. It just shows that a great soundtrack will have a decades long staying power. And this one has it. Question two, is it Oscar worthy? Yes, it is. What's great about The Sound of Music is that it's a very sweet film. It's wholesome. It's funny. It's romantic. It's got a lot of great costumes and a really catchy soundtrack. I guess it's not your typical Oscar movie. I'm only on week six, but it seems that all of these movies are deep and depressing and some are really depraved, <laughs> but this movie doesn't fit that mold. I guess there's a reason it's on Disney+. Plus. The other nominees that year were Ship of Fools, Darling, Dr. Zhivago, and A Thousand Clowns. I have seen exactly none of those. So I can't tell you if The Sound of Music was the best among them, but it sure does make you feel good and it's time well spent. There were several other categories it was nominated in, but it didn't win, including Julie Andrews for Best Actress. There's some incredible cinematography. The opening scene where Maria sings, the hills are alive with the sound of music, is one of the most recognizable scenes in film history. It was filmed in the German Alps near the Austria border, and it's simply breathtaking. One last thing to talk about is the casting of the Von Trapp children. This was an endeavor that required over 200 interviews and auditions throughout the United States and England. Here is a list of some of the famous people who were child actors at the time who auditioned but were not picked. Mia Farrow, Patty Duke, Leslie Ann Warren, Shelley Fabre, Terry Garr, Kurt Russell, and the Osmonds. Yes, those Osmonds, as in Donnie and Marie and the whole damn family. <laughs> I'm trying to picture Donnie Osmond in Lederhosen, and it's just not working for me. Question three, should you watch it? Yes, you should. It's not, you know, life-changing, but it's a fun way to spend a couple of hours. It's a good family movie if you have kids. It's an effortless watch, so it's not at all controversial or overly thought-provoking. It's not going to haunt you for days afterwards. It's not some gut-wrenching tearjerker that will suck the life out of you. It's just very simply a good little comfort film. It will make you smile and sing along, and you walk away happier than when you started. It is a perfect little film to watch when you just need a dose 
of pure sweetness. Okay, that's a wrap. Thank you for listening. This has been episode six of Cinema Sunday. I will be back next week to discuss another Oscar winning film. Please tell your friends about this podcast. If you feel so inclined, you can like, follow, subscribe, and even post a review. If you have a comment, maybe I got some facts wrong, or you just want to tell me I have shit taste, you can email cinemasunday at yahoo.com. The music for Cinema Sunday is appropriately titled So Happy. It is by Scott Holmes Music. I got it off of freemusicarchives.org. And the work is licensed under Creative Commons by NC 4.0. Links are provided in the bio. And if you happen to visit the Free Music Archive, they do take donations. So please be generous. Thanks and see you next week.